Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful day in the Rocky Mountains. Unusually warm. We're going to talk about during the course of this next hour and a half. Um, hour and a half because of the uh, Air Force game today, so we'll be a little bit of an abbreviated show, but we're going to talk a lot of fishing. I'm sure we're going to talk, talk on, touch on some hunting as we go through the day, too, because there's a lot going on. But it's an unusual transition. We had an unusual spring transition where it stayed cold and wet. That affected the fishing, both conventional and fly. And then it got extremely hot July and August and stayed warm and we're above seasonal temperatures. But I think that's about to change. We're going to get into some great, great fishing. We're going to talk about that. In fact, let's go right to the phones now. And uh, we'll ha- we're joined by uh, somebody who is full of all that fishing knowledge, one of our favorite contributors, somebody who is my original fill-in host and still fills in occasionally, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. How's it going this morning? You know, it's going okay, and I, I know you were talking to Karen, which I hate to interrupt, but we do have to do a show. <laughs> but um, the uh, I was I was saying that uh, it's been an unusual year, and we're going to get into that during the course of this hour several times. We had a, a late, cold, wet spring, and then it got extremely hot for a couple months, and we're kind of warm going into fall, and that's going to affect fishing. But before we get to that, before we talk about that, you went to a trip to, if people follow my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, that I go to a couple times a year, and you discovered why I love to go bass fishing up in Minnesota, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, I learned that the good way. Um, you know, went up with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Steve Panaz. Listeners may uh, may be familiar with that name. I actually had him on last time I guest hosted Terry Wickstrom Outdoors for you. Uh, had him on the radio. Steve Panaz is a freshwater fishing hall of famer and uh uh, been there, done that kind of guy. Host of Lake Commandos Television, and uh, just a great guy. And, and he and I met at ICAST. He invited me to come fish with him in Minnesota, and so uh, so yeah, couldn't couldn't resist a, an invite like that. Jumped on a plane and flew up there, and and just had an absolutely fantastic time. And I think the the, the, the single biggest thing to take away from it, besides the sheer volume of water, is from from anglers from the perspective of your listeners here is all those lakes are natural, and all of our lakes are reservoirs, and that's a fundamental difference in how you approach the fishing and everything else and uh, the fertility of the lakes and, and lots of other stuff. But what a fantastic place to fish. I can see why you and Dan Swanson and some of the others uh, lament over not being there more often. Well, you know, it, it's a tremendous. The fisheries up there, and whatever you fish for, bass, walleyes, lake trout, um, panfish, the panfishing up there, the crappies. Right now getting into the fall crappie bite up there. It is just unbelievable. Now, we got some great fishing in Colorado. We're going to talk about that during this hour, and you can you can catch a lot of fish. But it's a really unique place. The one thing I wanted to kind of hit a little bit of, though, for people looking for a summer trip, you know, everybody thinks walleyes up there. They, they think if they're going to fish bass, they need to go to Texas or Florida or, or, you know, maybe one of the southern states. But I'll tell you what, it's hard to beat a good bass fishing trip up in Minnesota. Tell people the kind of fish you caught up there and the numbers. Well, yeah, you know, 
their northern strain largemouth as opposed to the Florida strains, which are famous down south. And that's a minor difference, you know, in lingo, except for it's a fundamental difference in how the fish play. <laughs> uh, the northern strain bass are way more cooperative. They they know they have a short growing season. They know they have to be aggressive. And uh, and they're just extremely, extremely cooperative, I found, uh, compared to bass in the south, you know. And, and I grew up in Florida. Bass fishing down there is fantastic. But those are the moodiest fish you have ever seen. And, yeah, you can catch some giants, but you can also get your tail handed to you a lot. And any bass pro will tell you that. But if you go to Minnesota, what I found there is they were just very willing fish. And you're not going to catch a 10-pounder, but you'll catch a whole bunch of fours and fives. And in any place, I don't care where you go in the country, if you can catch four-pounders consistently, you're having a pretty good bass day. And it felt more like Florida than it did Minnesota in terms of the fishing because we were fishing heavy vegetation. We were fishing cattails and lily pads and coontail and milfoil very 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 lush dense vegetation and that makes for some really productive water and for for an old school bass guy that likes to have the you know the goat rope and the big stick in your hand that is uh that is a fun way to go about fishing you're gonna laugh terry but i may have to break one off on a hook set on 65 pound braid way back in the cattails <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's i don't want to dwell on it too much longer because i want to get to what's going on around here but I, I, I will tell you, folks, I do at least once, one, if not two or three trips to Minnesota every year. And sometimes one's a nice fishing trip. And then we do split up because there's great walleye and pike fishing. And I try to get back for the pan fishing when it's good there. But that's because it's my home. We got great fishing here. But if you want experience in Europe, especially if you're learning bass, Chad, what a great place to go with a knowledgeable fisherman up there. And you will learn how to fish cover because you'll have action. Yeah, lots and lots of access. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it is a really good deal. And, and, and you know, you mentioned the, a little bit of the diversity you touched on, and I won't dwell on it, but we caught, I think, eight or nine species while we were targeting bass. So, uh, and that includes uh, Steve hooked even a muskie from his own dock while we're sitting on the side of the lake having a, having a beverage in the evening. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to fish, no doubt about it. But like you said, Colorado's got our share outdoor stuff, and, you know, when you're dealing with weather like we have right now, this week's been a mix of everything from high-powered rifles to fly rods to walleye fishing for me. So it's been a it's been a fun week here in Colorado as well. Now let's talk about that a little bit. I think, uh, you, uh, as I mentioned, you were talking to Karen, and when I introed the show, we've had a it's it's been a year where you throw your notebook away because we started out and it stayed cold and wet and rainy all the way through June. We didn't get a 90 degree day till the last couple days of June. And which is really unusual, and it was extremely cold and wet, so the, the bait didn't spawn at the same time. The fish movements were way behind. Then all of a sudden, it decided to be 90 to 100 for two months and go into September. Now it's going to start getting back more seasonal in the 70s and 80s, but normally by this time, the water has started to cool. So we really have seen a year of just having to go out and discover what the conditions are. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the... The lake, Horses Reservoir is still 74-plus degrees, and they're still running water in it. It's, so it's coming back up, and, uh, and, and it's just been so weird this year. We, I produced a television show called Junk Fishing because we have literally had to scrap everything I know for 15 years of guiding here and just go fishing. And if you take that mindset, you'll do fine. The, the fish are there they're to be had, whether it be here or anywhere else. It's just a matter of you have to do it totally different. I was on Chatfield earlier this week. 
And we didn't do anything that I would have expected to do for this time of year at Chatfield, but we caught tons of fish. And so it's going to do it with an open mind. And I'm at Horseshoes right now looking around, and there is not a single yellow leaf on a cottonwood tree as far as the eye can see. And normally by this time of year, we've got significant yellow on the trees up here. So certainly the season is behind. Um, however, the fish are there, and it's just a matter of fish with an open mind, and you'll catch them just fine. Let's talk a little bit about it. you were at Chatfield. What uh, I'm going to make a guess, and I have no idea because I've been out of town and I haven't fished Chatfield, but normally you would have started to see the fish maybe schooling up a little bit, either settling into balls of bait or a little deeper water or even suspended. I'll bet they're still on structure. Yeah, totally. Uh, we caught. We, we started off the morning with kind of a two-part deal. We started off the morning to do some bass fishing, and they just murdered a topwater bait, just absolutely murdered a topwater bait. And all the fish were spitting up crayfish. <laughs> Go figure. And then we switched up about 9.30 or so in the morning once the sun got up good and high and went walleye fishing, and they were absolutely pinned to the bottom. And I mean pinned to the bottom. They were onesie twosies, and we didn't catch anything any deeper than about seven or eight feet. And if your if your jig left the bottom, they were using a, a, a jig head with a gulp uh, pinched crawler on it, uh, a little gulp, you know, fake crawler deal, a little stubby, and it floats, and put that on a jig head and pin it to the bottom, and uh, just drag it around. And if it left the bottom at all, you would not get a bite. If you kept it pinned to the bottom, had good line control and depth control, made sure your lures on the bottom the whole time, you catch them no problem. So. For sure, it felt a lot more like an earlier summer bite, and certainly I would expect them to be around bait balls. We did not see a single bait ball on the grass the whole day on the lake either. Uh, there is certainly not the amount of shad there used to be in, in uh, Chatfield right this minute, and I, I'm sure they'll come back. Uh, they always do, but right now there's not the number of shad that's normally there. Well, that does a couple things. It does move the fish, and the, between the weather conditions and the bait balls, we know that those fish, so now we got an idea where to get them. I think, too, a couple things happened at Chatfield. Chatfield's a little colder than, like, Cherry Creek. It was cold late into the year. I think we lost some fish last fall. There some bait fish. And I think we didn't get the spawns we normally would have got because of the weird weather. But I think what that does, the fish are still healthy, and I'll ask you to verify that. But I think it just means they're hungry, too. Yeah, for sure. They looked fine. Um, None of the fish looked like they were starving. Uh, And and truthfully, we didn't catch any giants of of either species, but we caught big numbers of both and had a really fun day Uh, and caught some decent ones of both of them. But yeah, they look fine. They're they're adaptable and there's some bait fish in there, but that lake has historically got a ton of, of shad in it. And keep in mind, when I say bait fish, as we've discussed in the past, it could also be bluegills and crappies and perch and everything else that they would eat. It doesn't have to be the shad, but normally there would be big giant balls of shad in that lake, and uh, and that is not the case right now. But the fishery will come back without question. Water temperature down there was still hovering uh, right around 70, 71 degrees. And uh, with the amount of nutrients that run into that lake, uh, there's no question the shad will be back uh, in years to come, with you know, without a doubt. Oh, that's going to be a much higher water level lake, too, very shortly. Yeah, it will. It will. And I think that's going to be interesting for sure. That was part of the reason I wanted to get down there was to kind of get a look at it where it's at right now just to, to, to you know, get a good feel for what it's going to look like once it inundates and, uh, and we get back down there. Then I'm really looking forward to that. It's It'll be a unique opportunity for anglers to have basically a new lake syndrome for a couple of years there. I think it's going to be really good. So uh, that should be good. But, you know, another place I was this week, Terry, was up in Cooter Canyon. And, uh, and you, I know you've got a lot of fly guys that like to listen. If you want to go just absolutely slaughter fish uh, as far as with a fly rod, uh, go to Poudre Canyon right now, and you'll have no problem doing that. We, uh, 
we decided to do a, a quick rundown on how many different ways we could catch fish in 100 yards of river. So I caught fish. I caught fish on nine different lures and about eight different flies, ranging from a size 24 disco midge all the way up to a size four grasshopper, and uh, and everything from a Berkeley bullet pop to a to a swim bait to an inline spinner to a marabou jig that Troy ties you name it uh, the fish are extremely cooperative in Poudre Canyon and it feels like summer the flows are great there's 220 cfs flowing down the hole water's crystal clear and fish were just jumping on anything that looked edible so fun trip I you know I'm glad you brought that up because all the things we talked about it's it's been a much different year for the the rivers too and the fly fishermen. Because what we've had, uh, you know, we've had great cool water flows all through the summer. I mean, the water almost never quit flowing. And, and it, the, the fish are healthy uh, compared to last year when we were being careful because the water got so warm. We waited till it cooled late in the fall. And because those fish are so healthy, they're hungry and active. We also had something else you mentioned. We had an, an because of the weather, we had a tremendous influx of grasshoppers. Grasshoppers have been everywhere this year, and I love that when it gets to fall, especially when the browns are getting aggressive like they are on the pooter. Somebody who's beginning to learn to fly fish, the grasshopper, a hopper dropper, you don't have to lay it on the water with incredible finesse. It's okay to make a splash. You can see it in the water very easily, like you said, because you can use good-sized ones, and you can still... You can still drag a little nymph of various times. I like a copper john. I don't know if you were doing a nymph. But what a great time for the beginning fly fisherman to go out there and really learn about dry fly fishing. Oh, yeah, without question. And, I mean, geez, I caught them, Terry. So what does that tell you? They, uh, they... You know, they were very, very cooperative. The grasshopper that I chose, uh, it's some kind of, I don't even know what it's called, but it's made out of foam. It's got giant rubber legs. It's bright yellow with a white trim on it. It looks more like a bass lure. And some of the browns and rainbows were hitting that thing so hard that they were coming clean out of the water to grab it. And uh, and I was purposely slapping it down to get their attention. So I was overpowering my cast and slapping that thing on the surface of the water just to get their attention. And uh, and they'd come and just nuke it. And uh, it was really fun. So it got so crazy that I'm like, well, we better try this with a Berkeley bullet pop. So I got a full-size smallmouth popper out and started working out the river. It took me about three casts to smoke a real nice brown with it. So, uh, you know, they're just giddy at this point. So, yeah, if you want to learn to fly fish, you want to get your string pulled a bunch, go up there right now. I rotated through, I think, four different nymphs just to see. Uh, did not matter. I went from a black one to a white one to a to – a, uh, actually did use a copper john at one point, and, uh, and they hit all of them. So, like I said, I think they're more just, you know, when I was talking to a buddy of mine. He says, what were they biting? I said, a good drift. Anything you drifted, uh, if it drifted well, they'd eat it. Yeah, I think you're going to find on rivers like the Poudre, uh, the Big Thompson. Uh, you know, you don't have to drive a long way. Clear Creek, Bear Creek, no, right no. in town here is going to have that same bite going on because the grasshoppers are still everywhere. And they will bite after the grasshoppers go away because they still have a memory of it. Uh, Rocky, Mountain yes, Nation, Rocky, yes. Rocky Mountain National Park is going to be great. And I think if you do want to go to, like, the Arkansas or the Colorado, I think we're probably not at the big the big. Uh, uh, brown bite where you throw the stupid, huge 
looking streamers, but I bet that grasshopper would take a lot of fish. Any any other bites, Chad? We got we're a little over, but I'm going to make up for it at the end because it's just going to be me talking at the end of the hour. So we can steal a little time, and I'll still have plenty of, <laughs> plenty of time for parks. Was there anything else going on you want to make sure you tell the folks about? Well, I, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind right now is to get out. This is the time of year that we really need to get out and enjoy it because you're going to – it doesn't really matter where you go fish right now, from Cherry Creek to Chatfield to, to Boyd Lake to Horsetooth to any of the rivers. Everybody I'm talking to is catching fish. I know the ponds are fishing well. So, you know, just be open-minded and get out, you know. The other thing is big game seasons are coming. If you're rifle hunting later this year, get behind your gun now. I've been behind my gun a bunch, getting a bunch of practice in, and uh, now's the time to do that as well. It's a great time to be in Colorado. All right, my friend, thank you. You and I have to get on the water soon, and, and I've been Dan Swanson and I talked about it. I've been traveling so much that I haven't fished around here enough. We've got to remedy that. Well, Dan's on the lake right now. He's out in my boat, actually, and he's, uh, he's coaching the Junior Bassmaster State Championship right now. So I uh, wish, wish uh, Dan good luck, and i got to go help my buddy Eric. I shot a real nice bull elk this morning, and uh, so I'm going to go help him out. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Chad Lachance, always a great contributor. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you to a state park that's got a great event coming up. They do every year. It's fantastic. Plus, there's good fishing opportunities and hunting opportunities right there. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones and I hope patiently waiting is Darby Shanks. Darby, I appreciate you being patient. We are going to take plenty of time because we got lots to talk about at your park. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, first of all, looking at the weather we have right now, I can't help but think it's beautiful where you're at. First of all, tell people where the park is located and describe it. Sure. Um, we are at Jackson Lake State Park, so we're located about, I would say, about an hour outside of Denver along Interstate 76. Um, exit is 66 out of Wiggins, and basically you would go nine miles north of there and be at the wonderful park of Jackson Lake State Park. Oh, you're absolutely right, and it's a beautiful lake. In fact, that park, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you have one of the, I think it's top 10 freshwater beaches in the united states is that right yeah i was set by some kind of setup several years ago so yeah we are the top 10 and we also was uh, recognized for the top 15 at one time as well so throughout the u.s describe that beach i mean it's beautiful sand and shallow water yeah it kind of reminds me of like when the river gets low that kind of river sand um very fine of course it gets stuck into every crevice you have on your hands and feet but um with our water level when it drops because since we're an irrigation lake the the sand will get exposed and then it's just wide open sandy beaches with still water since we are more of a shallow lake is what we would call it and you can, you um, when can, we're full it's like average of nine to fifteen in depth i mean you can wade out forever on that beach and it's beautiful and i'll bet the water's still pretty warm there Oh, yeah. I would say it's probably up in the, I would say 70s still, maybe maybe mid-70s now. 
Uh, that's just awesome. I know you have a big event coming up you want to talk about. You want to talk about your big chili cook-off and your Dutch oven, which I think are fantastic. But before we get to it, let's describe the park a little bit more. You've got great camping. One of the things I don't think people realize because you're out in the eastern plains is they think of these open areas. You have a lot of trees there. We do um, in certain areas for sure. Um, since we have six campgrounds with 259 campsites, um, three of the campgrounds would have more of your your trees, the big old cottonwood. Um, the three northern ones, I would say, is less trees for sure. Um, those came on to the park, I would say, back in the late 90s, if I remember correctly. Um, so there, there's mainly just cedar trees up there. Um, so, And then the cottonwoods are along the shoreline, of course, but... Uh, our northern ones are a little farther. I don't want to say a little farther, but are set off the, the reservoir just a little bit more than the ones down in, like, Lakeside, Pelican, the most popular campsites. Now, you're a great fishing and boating lake. A lot of times this year you're low on water, but I understand you've got plenty of water for boating and, and all the ramps are open. Is that right? That is correct, yes. We're probably around three to three and a half feet um, below from our full mark. So there is plenty of boat, boating activity out there that's going on. Um, we'll probably proceed going, uh, being open to boating throughout our season, which is um, October 31st is usually the last day that you'll be able to put motorized boats out there. Well, and I think another thing that'll mean is that there's going to be boating right into that great fall fishing bite that you can get up there. How's the fishing right now? It's still been hit and miss, but I do know it's picked up a little bit with the cooler temperatures, especially in the evening. And then, you know, you have those crisp mornings. So that's been nice. Um, I've heard a few more, you know, walleye might be taken. Um, the wipers are still um, are being caught, but some are still undersized. Um, but there's been a lot of drums being taken right now. So And you have catfish and you have crappies, and it's a great fishery. And it's just a great place to be. But let's talk about your event. You have an event every year. It's a Dutch oven and chili cook-off. Tell us about that. All right. So this is our ninth year that uh, we're having it. So there's a total of eight categories, six of them being Dutch oven only. So every meal has to be prepped in a Dutch oven. And then we have one that's also called the chili category. Um, that one doesn't have as many rules. Um, it doesn't have to be in a Dutch oven. It can be in a crock pot. And then, of course, we have a cowboy coffee one um, that's more in the morning time um, when the event kind of kicks off. Anybody's interested um, that can come around and taste it. And it's a People's Choice Award on that category. So tell us, um, the, our, I'm sorry, I was going to say, tell us the timing of the event. Yeah, so most of the cooking starts most of the cooking starts off at eight AM on Saturday. That will be happening on the twenty first of September. And then the judging for those there's each category, since we have six categories on the Dutch oven part and one with the chili, the first one uh for judging starts at twelve thirty. And then every half hour is a new dish for the judges to taste. And then eventually about I would say about 4.30 is when all the judging is complete, and we open it to the whole public. It's free to eat. Um, the only thing they have to purchase is a park pass for coming into the park. Well, and um, it's, we it's, like to get rid of our food who's ever participating, So, um, and we also give the top three prizes for each category um, from our wonderful donators that have contributed this year. So, 
and and you know people come out they start out the Calvi coffees in the morning they can they can actually talk to the people while they're cooking they just don't get to taste or eat it till after it's judged right correct and you correct. get you yes. get you get to see these techniques the things what's the most interesting thing you've ever seen cooked in a dutch oven oh i don't know interesting they're, it's all pretty good food it's all um something unusual that you wouldn't expect let's see oh wow Oh, and I won't put you on the spot, but they do make just a variety of stuff, don't they? They do. I mean, it's from, you know, anywhere from cakes. I mean, like a lot of the, we have a youth category. So anybody under 16 with a, with a you know, a parent there, um, they, most of them I'm going to say they're going to make desserts. But there are once in a while they'll have a side dish or um, a meat dish there with the youth. Um, last year was our biggest youth um, group which was awesome. I believe we had over 15 participants in our youth. Um, we try to limit most of our categories to 10, but, you know, when we're trying to welcome our youth into getting out and cooking outdoors, um, I was, we were willing to provide a few more entries on the youth area. All right. We're going to run out of time real quickly. What's the date of the cook-off? September 21st. All right. And... That's next weekend. And now, uh, real quickly, you have hunting opportunities there, right? We do. Um, we have teal season just open today. Um, so there's a couple ponds on the state park side. Um, it is open seven days a week. Um, you would have to have a park pass to come into the park to, to access that. And then you have the North Shoreline as well. And, and what then, a- of course, we... Go oh. ahead. And then, of course, we have the Jackson Lake Wildlife Area, which is located on the northeast corner of Jackson Lake State Park. Um, that's open seven days a week. There are several ponds over there. There is a uh, self-serve, like, check-in, check-out with each zone. And then there's one more state park that's um, in proximity of Jackson Lake, which is Andrick Wildlife Area. And that uh, does have reservations. So it is limited reservations. It's on Saturday and Sunday, Wednesdays and legal holidays. And we do encourage hunters to sign up. You can only sign up 14 days in advance, no no further out than that. And the last thing I want to ask you, and we got Michelle Sieber waiting. And Michelle, we're going to get to you and give you lots of time, I promise. Um, is there a lot of doves up around you? People are hunting doves right now. I'm not going to say a whole lot. It's been kind of spotty. Um, I would say... Uh, if there's a watering hole close, there's going to be a few more doves than out in the open for sure. Uh, I've been seeing influx of them, truthfully. All right. We have to go, Darby. We are way over, but thank you so much. Next week's your big cook-off, Dutch Oven. I'm sure there's there's information on the website and Facebook, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. You bet. That's Darby from uh, Jackson Lake State Park. We are way over, but when we come back, Michelle Siebert's going to take us to Bar Lake right here in the metro area on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. You know, I'm running behind time, and I need to get to Michelle. And last break, you play the Eagles and now Dire Straits. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Let's get right to the phones because one of our favorite people from State Parks is joining us, Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for your patience. Good morning. No problem. So what a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. You should have seen the sunrise. It was like orange and blue just, just for the Broncos, I think. Yeah, and well, you know, and if somebody wanted to enjoy the outdoors in Colorado, 
Uh, they don't have to drive a long way to get to Bar Lake, do they? They don't. You know, we're just a 25-minute drive east of Denver. We're located in Brighton, Colorado, off of I-76 in Bromley. So we're a short day trip to come out and enjoy lots of great things. Oh, you're absolutely right. In fact, if you take Tower Road north to 120th Avenue, you virtually run into it. You do. That's true. Yeah. And you've got a, it's a day-use park, but you've got lots of facilities there, don't you? We do. So we are a day-use park, but we have an archery range. We have fishing, boating, 10 horsepower and under. We have a wonderful nature center, a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's 8.8 miles. So you can walk, bike, horseback ride, come out and enjoy nature, look for birds. We're really known for our birding. We've had over 371 different bird species sighted at Bar Lake. That's awesome. Hey, by the way, you mentioned the archery range. You also have a 3D version of that. Is that right? We do. And, you know, there's no extra cost for our archery range. Just your day pass to get in, or if you have an annual, it's free. Um, But we do have a 3D range. It's 10 stations, and you can shoot at a stegosaurus, an alligator, a bighorn sheep. It's just a great way to get out and do archery and have it be fun. Well, this time, I know archery season is going on, and a lot of people, but a lot of people are going to continue to archery hunt. But a lot of people are going to come back in and say, I missed that shot. I need to practice more. And it's one thing to go to a static range and do your distances. And I know Nate Zielinski is a big uh, proponent of doing odd distances because you're never going to get that animal to stand 30 yards away, right? But It's true. But yeah. the other thing with the 3D range is you are, now you get, you're, not, you're shooting uphill, you're shooting downhill, you're shooting out of position the way it really happens in the wild. And the other thing that's really big about a 3D range is you know, you hit a target in a static range, and you see where you hit on the target. Well, when you shoot on a 3D range, you see the entry angle of that arrow, and that might change your shot incredibly. Yeah, it's great. It's a great opportunity to come out, be outside, and, you know, sharpen your skills. Now, you also have great fishing out at Bar Lake. Tell us about that. So we do. So, you know, we're an irrigation reservoir, so our water levels are lower, which just means there's more shoreline. So you can fish from shore or from boats, 10 horsepower and under. People have been catching perch is starting to bite, and um, walleye and wiper. So it's a great time to come out and do some fall fishing. The temperature is not so hot. so It's really an underused fishery because people think, well, it's 10 horsepower and under. I can't put my big boat out there. But as long as you don't use your big motor, if you've got a kicker or an electric, you can come out there, and it's a great lake to fish with kayaks and that type of thing. It is, you know, and our water levels are good, so I think we should have um, the boat ramp until the end of October when we close for boating. So it's just a great time of year to, you know, come out and enjoy being on the water. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's always so much going on out there. You also have hunting opportunities there. We do. So we do have dove hunting on Sunday and Mondays. You have to call our 1-800 number to reserve a spot. But, you know, the first couple week, the opening weekend was great. It's dropped off a little bit um, now. But, you know, we're that, that quick trip from Denver. So you can come out and dove hunt um, on Sunday and Mondays. And then when waterfowl season starts, we hunt on Wednesday and Saturdays. Yeah, so there are opportunities. I mean, you're talking about a quick drive, and you get out there, and you get it, and you typically get into birds there. I mean, because you got the bird sanctuary half of the lake and things like that, so that there's a lot of bird activity there, both doves and waterfowl. And I think the weather stayed so warm that the resident doves haven't left. We may see a few more birds from north start to trickle down. So I think it'll stay good for a while. Last thing, Michelle, you just always do a ton of events out there. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, so one event we have coming up, we're partnering with Pheasants Forever, and we have a wing shooting class on October 6th. We have one from 8 to 12 and one to 1 to 5. So if you want to come out and get some um, practice and learn from some of the experts from Pheasants Forever, it's a shotgun clinic. So they're going to teach you all about um, pheasant hunting, upland hunting. It's just a great time to come out and learn from the experts from Pheasants Forever. And then the next weekend on October 12th, we have our Harvest Festival. So we have hay rack rides, carnival games for kids. We sell pumpkins and corn that we raise here right up our lake. Just a great fall activity to come with the family. And then you have events going on all the time. Do you put these events on your Facebook, your webpage? What's the best way to keep track of them? Yeah, you can go to our website and as well as Facebook. So like our Facebook page, and we post them all there. We have quite a few events coming up this fall. No, you always, you always do. I think you do bird banding there, and you have a Halloween event. I mean, it's just endless. You, I'll tell you, you promote that park. You are one of one person that's always working. It's there's always a reason to go to Bar Lake on a weekend. There is. So just come out and enjoy the fall weather. Well, I'm I'm, I'm excited about the perch fishing for a couple reasons. One is that um, they're so good to eat. I mean, and they're so they taste so good. The second thing is, if you're catching perch from shore, that could mean a decent ice fishing season for you. That's true. I mean, because they're a great fish to fish through the ice. Michelle, last comments before we let you go? Nope. Just come out and enjoy the activities at Bar Lake and in any state park. All right. Thank you. We will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. Uh, it's a great facility so close here. You know, it's just uh, tremendous. You know, if you hear, if you're driving and you hear uh, one of these segments and you, oh, I wanted to get that information or that date, uh, first of all, you can always get a hold of us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You should follow that anyway because there's so much involved in the show that's on there. But you can go to the uh, 1043thefan.com. Go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the on the menu from shows, and all of our uh, interviews are podcasts, and they stay up for weeks, and you can go back and search old ones, too. So we podcast the show by the hour, and we podcast every interview separately. So if you hear something you want to hear again, go listen to that podcast. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll have more outdoors when we come back on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right. Since it's only me coming up for the next five minutes, we can listen to a little Eagles. We, we let him up on the internet about this. We had a lot of people. My mailman even said, don't let him give you crap. The Eagles are great. Dan carried it over for his whole show. He, he kept that theme going, Beatles vs. Eagles, for his whole show last week. Yeah, but Dan's a pup. Remember that I was able to take his lack of no talent and coach him to a state championship. So without me, he's nothing. That's true. Yeah, we know. Hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. In just a few minutes, we're going to get to Nate Zielinski, who I think is going to join us after the last few weeks being lost in the wilderness scouting for elk but a couple of things i want to talk about first of all is our social media uh, follow us on facebook terry wickstrom outdoors is the heart and soul of this show if we have a special guest coming up a special event uh if we had a uh, tackle talk type podcast we'll feature a link to all those things or a post about it on our uh facebook page terry wickstrom outdoors 
I also reach back in the archives for articles I wrote for people like the Denver Post, In Fisherman Magazine, Fishing Facts, and I post those articles when they're timely about what's going on and ways to approach fishing and uh, give you access to maybe some things that you wouldn't be hard to find if you went searching for but are very pertinent at the time. So, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wixom Outdoors. And and whenever we post a new show, they're not new, they're archived from our our times on television. Uh, Whenever Karen puts up a new episode, though, we've got about 120 episodes up there now on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Uh, Whenever we put another one up, Karen posts it on our Facebook page. About half of those shows were shot here, right here in the mountain region, so they apply. And the rest are travel destinations, whether it's the Florida Keys or Alaska or Minnesota, and they're great travel destinations in case you're thinking about going somewhere. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, which revisits our television shows. Let's talk about the current conditions here right now. You heard Chad and I talking about it. The water levels and the temperatures are still a little out of whack for this time of the year, but they're going to catch up here very soon and become very normal. Uh, Water levels have been high all year, which has been a great thing. We needed the water, rejuvenated our lakes and rivers. We had a very cold spring. We didn't get the bait hatches we normally would have got. Uh, Fishing was good, but it was really different. Now, going into the fall, we had two months of extremely warm weather, and it has stayed warm up through this week. In fact, it's going to be 90s on this weekend, but that will start to... uh, come down to more seasonal here, and the nights will get colder, which is really going to change the fishing. So right now, we're not really into that fall bite on the lakes, but we should see it take off very quickly. And when it does, we're going to spend a lot of time teaching you about spooning for uh, walleyes and and, and also using jigging wraps. Those types of presentations don't just catch walleyes, though. They're incredible when smallmouth bass are following the bait. Uh, Catfish are extremely vulnerable to that. You'll catch big catfish on those hard baits. You'll catch crappies. Uh, there's just a lot of fish to be caught that way. White white, white bass and wipers, just tremendous. So we're going to be following that. There's some great fall bites coming up. We're going to cover that a lot. We'll cover bird hunting. It's shaping up right now. I talked to uh, Ed, Ed Gorman, the biologist, and he's cautiously optimistic because we did get a lot of habitat this spring. We just hope it wasn't actually too wet. Usually we're worried about too dry, but we're cautiously optimistic about a great upland game season. We'll keep you in, in touch with that. So follow us on the show and follow us on our social media, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. The last thing I want to touch on is the fly fishing. Well, we're going to, you know, we, we try to go back and forth between conventional fly fishing. We covered a little fly fishing earlier in the hour. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to get some people on from different parts of the state to update us. But every report I'm getting is the fly fishing is phenomenal right now. Chad Lachance said you can't not catch fish on the Poudre River right now. It's fantastic. The la- even the rivers around town, the Blue Coil Angler guy said that Clear Creek and Bear Creek are doing well. I would assume. I haven't heard a direct report. The Big Thompson should be fishing very well. So you don't have to drive a long way. And this weather also created a huge abundance of grasshoppers. So it's a great time for the novice angler or the beginning fly fisherman, or even if you're experienced, you just want to catch fish, to go out there with a hopper dropper. It's a great presentation. You don't have to make a delicate cast. 
Uh, you, it's, it, it's, you can splash it, move it around a little bit if your line mending skills aren't as good, and the fish will just kill it when they get that grasshopper out there. So there are lots of opportunities. We'll cover them more. In fact, we're going to have the people from North Park and Lake John on later on in the second hour. But let's take a quick time out right now. We'll get back to Nate Zielinski on 104.3 The Fan. 